Well, I'm sure all of us by now have understanding that it is a new year, 2023. I, I have to say, I never actually got used to writing 2022. It didn't feel like I, I wrote it that much. And so all of a sudden we're in a brand new year and I'm not sure when the first time you've got a date, something you've got to get all that newness happening. But the new year is a time for the great reset. Anyone, um, you don't have to share, say what, but any new resolutions for the year ahead? Anyone? Are you slackers? You slackers. Like, okay, I don't know if I want to hear yours, Greg, but anyway, like, um, um, but, but the thing is that normally, um, I want to say for normal people, but I, I might don't want to insult you all, but normally people kind of go, oh, okay, it's a new year. It's, it's that ultimate time of the calendar where I go, okay, all those things I've been intending to do, I'm going to start doing them. I'm going to exercise, I'm going to eat right. I'm like, okay, I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to go to bed on time. And straight away last night, some of you may have stayed up for 12. Who got to 12 o'clock last night? Okay. Like my children, did. none of them can even put up their hand right now. Like, uh, But but the thing is, like it's, it's a lot of us, New Year's, we stay up for 12 o'clock and then we fall asleep in church the next day. Hopefully not. Um, but but the thing is, it's it's this, anyone broken any resolutions that they, they've thought about? Like sometimes we have a new resolution and we break it within the first day. But we're starting this brand new series called Recharge. Now, beside my bed, I've bought this little, it's like, I suppose it's called a, a caddy, uh, or for lack of a better, it's a charging caddy. And so on my charging caddy, I'm able to put my phone up against this little sort of platform and it charges wirelessly. I'm able to plug in my watch charger and then my watch sits on the back behind my phone and then it's got a little wireless charging pad that I can put my headphones on and it charges my headphones. And so I can go to bed at night and that's all charging. The thing is, often we get really, really busy that we forget to plug things in and all of a sudden we'll be at the shops and and our phone will go flat or my watch will remind me saying we're down to 15%, we're down 5%. My, my, I might have my headphones in and they'll start beeping saying they're not going to work very soon. And, and so we're, what we've done in our world, we've gone, you know what, we're so busy we can't even plug things in. We'll get something that's portable that we can take with us. And so you can get portable chargers now. And so you plug them in while you're out and about and then you forget to charge those and then they don't work. The thing is, with all the stuff that we have these days, it requires constant recharging even if it's got the best battery in the world and says it'll last you two days well after those two days you need to plug it in again recharge it so you can keep on going spiritually speaking it's no different spiritually speaking we kind of go like okay maybe it's like we go to church once a week or we read our bible once a week or once a month or or maybe we go to church every couple of weeks and or we do this every now and again and and that's going to be enough for me to walk with strength with god and and the thing is, we don't get in the habit of recharging. And I don't know about you, but there are plenty of times I, I get to points within the year, I'm going, I'm exhausted. Now, sometimes we are physically exhausted because we are in the position where we've, we may have a busy season. But sometimes it's more than that. We are spiritually run down to the point where our batteries are almost kaput. They may never recharge again, it feels like. And so over the next seven weeks, starting today, we're going to be looking at this series called Recharge. And so today we're talking about recharging our vision. But following on, we're going to have, uh, next week we're going to have Jim talking about uh, recharge by working as a team. Uh, Bert's going to look at recharging through godly community. 
Uh, Sarah's going to look at recharging through rest. And Sue's going to look at recharging through worship. And then as we finish up um, into February, so we're talking about February already, but I want to look at recharging our passions. Who here wants to be excited this year? Like that was a really unexcited hand. Like people, oh, I suppose, because it's one of, it's one of those questions you don't want to keep your hand down for, but you didn't do it with excitement. It was like I've got to answer this one, yes. But we we want to we want to recharge our passions, especially when it comes to serving God and living life to the full as God intended. And then we're going to finish up this whole series by looking at this idea of and probably touching base on, on, on stuff that we've shared in, over the seven weeks, but looking at recharging through the presence of Christ. If, if I would want to say something for my a resolution for me this year is that I would walk in the presence of Christ this year so closely. So as we come back to what we're looking at today, we want to recharge our vision. And the thing is, as we as that passage that Mick read earlier, some of you are probably very aware of that passage. We, we often get to those verses: who will, who will, who can we send? Who will go for us? And here am I, send me. It's often a verse used when motivating people to missions or or service. And it's it's quite a, but it's the sixth chapter in Isaiah. It's not the first chapter. It's not kicking off the whole book. There's stuff that happens before this chapter. And it, but it starts off this way in Isaiah six one eight. It says, "In the year." that King Uzziah died. Now, for some of you who may be aware of this passage, you may sort of go through that phrase really quickly and move on to all the other stuff. Because everything else that happens in that chapter is pretty awesome. Like, it's not like a, okay, like when we're talking about special effects, God was the original. Like, he, it's no Avatar, no Star Wars, no Marvel movie. God does it all by freehand. He's pretty spectacular with his special effects. And so the rest of the passage looks at that. But this first phrase is important for us to understand because what we need to understand that when it comes to recharging our vision is that life is full of distractions. Life is full of things that will grab our focus, will grab our hearts, will grab our minds, will grab our attention, will grab our time. Life is full of distractions. And some of them are good distractions. Those people that have little people living in your house for the next 20 years, they are distractions. They will grab your attention. In fact, you come in the middle of a serious conversation and mummy, daddy, mummy, daddy, mummy, daddy will happen. I hope Leanne's not still doing that. So, um, um, uh, but, 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 but the thing is, we've got, we've got good distractions. We've got bad distractions. We've got things that grab our attention that aren't good for us or don't take us to good places. We've got distractions of our own choosing, things that we've decided to do that all of a sudden pull us in a certain direction. We've got distractions that are forced upon us. Anyone had like a, a, a an unexpected sort of injury or something that's broken down in your house and all of a sudden that causes something to go, oh, I wasn't planning for that. Now it's got my focus for the next little while. Just before Christmas, um, our garage door, one of the springs that roll up the garage door broke. And so because it was a complete garage door, it was very hard to lift the garage door. But finally we lifted it up, got the other car out. and But then we, when we rang the real estate, I said, oh, we'll make this urgent for you. We'll get it sorted out. Two weeks later, someone came and fixed it. And so for two weeks, we were like going, I can't wait till this is fixed. Can't wait till this is fixed. And it was a, a distraction, not of our own choosing. We didn't get up there and break the spring. Um, I don't think any of my children went and did anything in there, but like it was just something that happened. 
And the thing is, the distraction for Isaiah was the death of the king. Now, again, yeah, kings come, kings go, and and if 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 you don't love like the books of like the first and second Samuel, first and second Kings, first and second Chronicles, sometimes you'll read through them and go, yeah, king died, king came, bad king, king died, and and you just move through it. But the thing is, when you sort of, if you love it, you actually understand who this king was. He was one of the few good kings. And he was doing good God things for the nation. And the nation had gone so far away from God because of all the bad kings. And Uzziah was bringing the people back. And and Uzziah, and Uzziah was supporting that. He was prophesying and preaching to the people. And Uzziah was, was purifying the country. He was a good king. And Uzziah went, this is fantastic, God. We've got a king who is sort of supporting the work that you want to do, God. I can support him. This is going to be fantastic. And Uzziah was still a young king and he went out to face the Egyptians and he died in battle. I can only imagine Isaiah's frustration, maybe even getting to the points of despair when all of a sudden the good king, the, the godly king, is no longer with us. The, the king that was doing the things that God wanted people to do, the king that was doing the things that Isaiah was preaching to the people about, he was sent, following that through. His life was, shut, shut, was cut short in battle. And in those few words, in the year that King Uzziah died, they, it could have easily been said that, said that, in the year that everything went wrong, in the year when, when everything got hard, in the year where God seemed to get it wrong. Some of us don't like saying that, but we'll think it, we'll feel it, but sometimes we go, God, you got it wrong last year. God, you didn't do things the way you were meant to do last year. Or, or God, was there something I was meant to do? Am I missing something? Like, God, I don't understand. It could have easily said, in the year where the trials became so huge, Now, the thing is, when we change it to those phrases, all of a sudden it can be for us. It can be in the year that becomes really hard for us, when the trials become so big for us, when, when the things that don't seem to go in the way that we hoped them to go. It could be the year where we walked away from God in our obedience. And I can also say that same phrase where we walk willingly into sin. The year that we actually spent more time being disobedient than, than we were obedient. When the, it could have been a year when we were distracted by so many different things rather than godly things. Oh, they weren't evil in their, in their own way, but they grabbed our attention. I don't know how many of you ever get addicted on your phone and you'll be watching a, a one video after another video and they're short videos and they capture your attention and all of a sudden time goes past. And all of a sudden, you, you, you actually, some people go to the point your neck gets, starts getting sore, your arm gets sore from holding your phone in a certain position. And the thing is, the phones are smart these days. They, they seem smarter than us at times because they'll see what you're watching and they'll send other videos like that towards you. So you might go, oh, um, cute cat and dog video. Okay, cute dog video, dog eating cat video, or whichever is your preference, like... Um, um, it might have, have you ever, you see those videos where, where it's like people fail 
and they'll be driving their car and all of a sudden they prang it or they slip over walking down the, and you, you sit there and you watch it and watch it and all of a sudden it comes and we get distracted. Now that's just our phones. Life in general has that ability of, of distracting us, whether it's our choice or whether it is what happens around us, whether it's getting caught in sin or whether it's just being overwhelmed by our trials. But this is where we jump to the second part of of verse 1. And this is what Isaiah says, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on the throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. See, what we need, see, if, if life is full of distractions and we want to recharge our vision, we need the full picture of God. We need the full picture of God. The full picture of God is complete. So when Isaiah looked up and into the into the sky, all of a sudden God filled it. There was no escaping it. And again, talking about distraction, there's there's actually been an ad out recently. I think it's an iPhone ad. I can't be sure. And you've got these people that have climbed up this mountain to capture sunset. They've actually put the effort to walk up, and as they got to the top of the mountain. Someone pulls out their iPhone, whatever, uh, I'm not sure what it's up to, um, and to take a photo of the sunset. And everyone goes, oh, is that the new iPhone? And they get so sort of focused on that, they miss the sun going down. And I watched that ad going, it's sad because that is true. It's actually not a funny ad. It's actually sad because that is true. But the opposite is, is true for Isaiah here. He is so captured by the fullness of God. There's a complete picture of God filling the, filling the sky, filling the temple. And so not only is, is, is the full picture of God is complete, the full picture of God is clear. Again, we, we see on, on ads, I don't know if you watch enough TV, you would have heard this phrase, should have gone to Specsavers. It's, it's out there, like all these people who make mistakes because they can't clearly see something that should have been there for them. Yesterday, I think it was yesterday, I watched this, speaking about people getting caught on the phone, I saw this video of a little girl, would have been maybe two, maybe three, and and her parents are struggling to put glasses on her for the very first time. And you should see the reaction of this little girl because the glasses, and she's wriggling her head, she doesn't want this on, and the glasses goes on and she opens up her eye and all of a sudden, everyone's in focus. She is amazed. She is smiling. She's looking around. She's like going, what is going on? These people aren't soft and sort of soft-edged anymore. They're not fuzzy anymore. They're really clear. And all of a sudden, she gets a clear picture of what her life is like. When we get a full picture of God, it is complete, but it is also clear. It's clear so we can actually see a clear picture of, um, a clear picture of God gives us clarity of who he is. So Isaiah, again, when he was standing there watching the heavens open up, all of a sudden he went, I don't serve a small God. I serve a God who is who is clearly big, clearly strong enough. And we get a clear picture of, uh, of how big he is. A clear picture of what God also gives a clarity of, of his character. We jump down to verse 3 and they said, and they were calling to one another. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. That was God's cheer squad that day. They were telling Isaiah, this is what 
what God is like. This is who He is. This is the character which He has. And all of a sudden, Isaiah is caught up in this and he goes, this is amazing. This is, I've got a full picture of who God is. But there's a problem when you get a full picture of God. It's, it's, it's a necessary problem, but it's a problem. We will see this in verse 5. Isaiah goes, woe to me. I am ruined for I am a man of unclean lips. And I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. I don't know how long this took. I, again, sometimes we read Bible passages and because it takes us 30 seconds to read it, we think that's how long it took. But Isaiah could have been staring at the sky for, for a long period of time. God could have paused time, I don't know. But he was staring at the sky and all of a sudden he's seeing this going around. It would have taken him a long time to take it all in. As he And you, you guys ever been to something so amazing, you're looking at all the different places to take it all in? That's what Isaiah would have been doing. He would have been seeing this aspect. Oh, look at that angel. And oh, look at, wow, look at the throne. Wow, that's, that's really bright. Oh, look at that, what that angel's doing. That angel's wearing a funny hat. Oh, wow, that's amazing too. Like He would have been taking all of that in. And as they're crying out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. It starts to dawn on Isaiah. God is holy and I am not. God is holy. I am not. A clear picture of God gives us a clear picture of ourselves. That one's a bit hard at times. We don't want to be looking at our lives through the lens of God at times because we don't want to be looking at the junk. We don't want to be looking at the stuff that we know God doesn't like. And sometimes we're not even aware of it. Like sometimes we are truly surprised when we come into the presence of God and God will point out an area of our life and we go, I didn't even know that was a problem until just now being in the holy presence of God. And so sometimes we avoid the presence of God for that reason. Sometimes we don't want a complete picture of God because it will highlight our junk. But this is an important step for us to take. We need to get a clear picture of who we are in in response to the clear picture of who God is because the next thing will happen. And we pick this up in verse 7. Where did he touch my mouth? So the angel came down, grabbed a coal and, and took it down to Isaiah. Where did he touch my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. Your sin is atoned for. This was a rite of purification. God was actually transforming Isaiah. Now, again, you need to understand this is chapter 6. This is not the beginning of the book. This is not the start of the superhero movie where he gets his powers. This is Isaiah has already, already been preaching for God already at this point in time. He was working with Uzziah and trying to change the nation. And yet when he saw the presence of God, when he saw the complete, clear picture of God, he went, woe is me, I'm a man of of unclean lips. I belong to a, a people of evil. And God came and cleaned him because there was more work for God to do. So to put it in, in parameters that we understand, Isaiah had been a Christian for years and God still had work to do in his life. 
Some of you have been Christian for years and God has work to do in your life. Some of you have been Christian for maybe a year. God has work to do in your life. Don't ever fall into the trap of going, I'm better than the other people that are sitting around me or I'm good enough. God wants to work in your life. He wants to get rid of your junk. He wants to come and cleanse you and purify you. That was the whole point of the cross. Jesus didn't come to do half a job. And so we need to understand that that because what will happen is that it goes from we get a clear picture of God, we get a clear picture of ourselves. But then this next thing is true as well because we get a clear picture of what God wants um, wants us to be. We get a clear picture of, of, of the character that God wants us to have. We get a clear picture of the transformation that God wants to do in our lives. And this all comes from getting a full, complete vision of who God is. It flows from that. And all of a sudden, we see in our life that God wants to change us. You may think you're patient. God wants you to be more patient. You think, might you think your life is full of joy. God wants to bring you more joy. You think you can overcome adversity. And God says, well, let's bring on some adversity. And let's grow you even more there. God is wanting to do more in your life and it comes from having a clear picture of who God is. I think this becomes the key for us when it comes to this idea of recharging is that too often we we want God to be who God is but we want to stay who we are. And there is a disconnect of that recharging aspect that God wants for us. God wants to truly recharge us. And and this is the thing. I've seen people that are truly transformed and living for God and they are living under constant trial and yet they walk with God with such energy, with such life, with such fullness. Where we kind of go, God, I want you to bless my life. I want you to fill it with good things. And that means I will be energized and joyful and all the other stuff. It doesn't explain people that live in countries where they live in fear for their life because they believe in God and yet you can't take the smile off their face. It comes from a joy that's deep within because they have captured this idea, the fullness and clarity of God. They have understood their sinners and they have let God come in and do some amazing things in their lives. And they live a life that is recharged daily in the presence of God. We get a clear picture of who God wants us to be. But then we get on to verse 8. Look at the first part of verse 8. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Now, have you ever felt bad for Isaiah? He was the only one there. He had no one else to point to. Sometimes we hear that verse at church and we go, we can dig our husbands or wives in in the ribs going, he's talking to you. Um, we tap someone else, we look at our shoes. Have you ever seen that? How I've seen that happen. I've probably done it myself. Sometimes when we are called to respond to God and, and we, someone's asked that question, all of a sudden our shoes become the most interesting things in the world. Mm, don't look at me. Don't look at me. But the thing is, we get a clear picture of what God wants us to do. Let's follow it. So we get a clear, full picture of God. We understand who we were. We understand who God wants to make us be. 
ones that change us, transform us, and all of a sudden we understand what God wants us to do. Isaiah finishes that, that, that verse off after God asks that question. Who, will, who shall I send? Who will go for us? I don't know if Isaiah looked around. He may have looked around going, is there someone else who's seeing this with me? And go, that guy over there? You know how um, Peter and Jesus were talking and Peter pointed out John? Like, I'm thinking Isaiah may have wanted that and that there was no one there. Maybe he just was a man of, of, of great faith and he responded, no. Here I am, send me. And again, let's put a bit of thought in it. Do you think he would have said it sheepishly? He hadn't. He. The only other thing he said than that is that I am a sinner, and all of a sudden, I would still be a little bit humbled at speaking in the presence of God that way. And and I can see Isaiah going, um, um, God up there. I know. I don't know if you're talking to me or you're talking to everyone else or um. But but here I am. Send me. I, I I thought I was I thought I was already serving you, God. But maybe there is there is more things. Maybe there's more focus in what I've got to do. But here I am. I'm available for you. Now straight away, we're talking about recharging. We're talking about having more energy to live out the Christian life. And all of a sudden, that you may think I'm asking you that you need to do more. And some of you go, yep, I'm just going to add it to everything else and just going to pile it on and I'm going to just pull up my commitment pants and I'm going to go do it. And then, and then February hits and you're worn out. No, that's not what I'm asking you to do. It's not about doing more. Now, if you are someone who's spiritually and maturely, in your spiritual maturity, you are doing absolutely nothing that God is asking you to do, it may mean that you need to do more. You will know that. I won't. God God will know. But what I'm talking about is that there is a lens which we with with what we are we need to look at things with what we're already doing. Years ago I heard a message saying we actually need to look at our lives we need to look at the world through the lens of the cross. So like the world is there and the cross is in the middle and we we look into the world. We look at what we do through that lens. And I think that becomes the key because if we've got a complete picture of who, of who God is and we understand who we are in God and who God has made us to be, all of a sudden it changes the things that we pursue with our life. It changes the things that are important to us. It changes how we actually do the things that we're already doing. Now, how does that work? Well, it mean, might mean changing how you work and the way you go to work, and the character which you show yourself at work, and, the, and, the, and how you represent God even by the way you live at work. It might be how you do life as a family. All of a sudden, the things that are, are more important to you will come through in family life. It might be how you do your marriage. It might be a whole range of things that you do in your life and you go, do you know what? It's not just about me adding something to my life. It's about changing the way I look at it and actually being more effective in something or, or raising the importance of some stuff and, and decreasing the importance of other things. It may mean removing some things from your life so you can do more things that God wants you to do. You sort of have a bit of an audit of your, of your, your weekly timetable. You go, oh, wow. I didn't know I spent that much time doing X. It could be TV. It could be, and, and that's the thing, it could be I, I'm talking about prayer points with my friends, also known as gossip. 
Um, praying about people is one thing. Talking about people with the possibility of prayer is called gossip. Um, but the thing is, we can look at how we fill our time. And God says, all of a sudden, look at how much time you would have free if we removed all that. Again, parents, you can't get rid of your kids. Do not drop them from my place. They are with you. Um, just, just in case you're getting that idea. So God, God is leading me to leave my children with you, Pastor Keith. They're going on holidays with you. No, that's not happening. Um, it may mean overcoming some of the distractions that can fill our lives. And again, when I talked about distractions, some, some distractions are not of our choosing. They come our way and, and God says, I want you to focus on me more than those distractions. Some distractions are our own choosing. Whether they are things that pull us away from God, whether they are things that pull us towards sin, all those things become part of the distractions that God might want us to overcome in our lives. The thing is, as we wrap up for today, when God gives us a vision, something inside of us begins to change. When we see God for who he is, you don't remain the same. It consumes our thoughts. Every move we make, we dwell on, um, we dwell on the things that we've been challenged with. Vision points you in a direction. Vision gives you an opportunity to become more than you already are. Vision means that you are not living life merely for yourself. Vision has a self-fulfilling destiny when it's connected with God. Vision will wake you up in the middle of the night calling out to you saying, let's do something about this. Rather than sort of waking up in the middle of the night because we're hungry we've, or we've eaten too much food or we've watched too much TV and I can't get an idea out of my head. Vision will wake us up and drive us forward. You will not be able to get away from a vision because it will pursue you. And I just, I, I just think Isaiah's life was not an easy life from that point on. So, spoiler alert, I think the, the tradition is that Isaiah was sawn in half. That's how he finished his life. Um, so he was a man who served God for over 40 years, and that's how he ended his life. But he lived his life in faithful, passionate obedience to God. Why? Because he had a complete and clear picture of who God was. So, questions. What are you doing to get a clear vision of God? What are you doing to get that? Sometimes we, 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 we hope for God to sort of shine through the neon, neon lights around us. God, give me a sign. And we do nothing to go to a place where we'll get a sign from. Maybe we open our Bible up and do that, open up the Bible trick and put our finger on it. Doesn't work out very well sometimes. But God does want us to get into his word. God does want us to go to places where he is so that we will get a picture of who he is. Now, again, I have not had a moment like Isaiah. I have, that hasn't happened. But I've had plenty of moments where God has quietly and consistently and sometimes repetitively, because I didn't get it the first time, shown me who he is. He's reminded me how he provides for me and reminds me how he provides for my family. He reminds me of his love. He reminds me of his grace. He reminds me of his holiness. And all of a sudden, again, I'm reminded of my impurities and I, I have a desire to get right with God. 
what are you doing to get a clear vision of God? See, when it comes to the Bible, Max Licardo said, the Bible has been banned, burned, scoffed and ridiculed. Scholars have mocked it as foolish. Kings have branded it as illegal. And a thousand times over, the grave has been dug and the dirge has begun. But somehow the Bible never stays in the grave. No, not only has it survived, it has thrived. It is the single most popular book of, in all history and has been the best-selling book in the world for years. If the Bible is all that, how important is, to, is it to us? If it's the place where we get, if we increase our picture of who God is, if we understand who He is more by opening up God's Word, how important is that to us? If, if it's the clear picture of God leads to us changing our lives and knowing how we're meant to be, if it's a clear picture of God that leads us being to recharge into His service, don't we, don't you think we should be going to places where we get that clear picture of God? Now, if your Bible is dusty, there is something wrong. Now, again, you can get your Bibles on these things these days on your phone. The Bible is so available, it is not funny. And you know what? I have to say this is a little mini confession. Like I, over the years, like with different things I've been a part of, I've been gifted a Bible here and a Bible there. I've got that many Bibles and I do not believe I have read them enough. That's on me. That's, I, I need to get into, into God's Word and to be challenged in doing that. The thing is, we've got these around the church and I've even got some uh, different ones for our young people. The thing is... This makes it easy for you to develop a habit of getting into God's Word and discovering who God is and who you are meant to be in Him. Now again, these help us to get into God's Word. God's Word helps us to see the complete picture of God. The complete picture of God helps us understand who we are meant to be and that leads us onto what we should be doing. It's important to come to church. It's important to believe in God. But it's important that you are constantly recharging your life by enabling yourself to get that full picture of God. And God's Word is what He's given us to be able to do that. Now, if you do not know how to read your Bible, then that's something that we can work on together. But I will challenge you with this. As we begin this year, let that be a source to get the complete vision of God so that you may be recharged daily to walk in what God wants you to do so that you can serve God's kingdom, so you can be transformed into who God is trying to make you to be. And this is the thing. The person that God is trying to make us, it is always good. Always. The person that we sometimes set out as a goal, it's not always bad. Sometimes, okay, I want to lose weight. I want to be more fit. I want to do this. I want to do that. But somewhere down the track, all of a sudden, we get to the point where we are being that little bit selfish or a little bit proud, maybe a lot proud, maybe heaps proud. Like we get to the point where it's like when we let God do all the work, I will guarantee there will not be anything that we can criticize by the work that God does in your life. So as we wrap up today, what are you doing to get a clear vision of God? And how will you let that clear vision change who you are and how you live out this year. A clear vision of God and what he wants us to be will recharge us to live his best life.
for the coming 365 days. And today I want to challenge you to be recharged by getting a full vision of who God is. Lord, we thank you that you show yourself so abundantly to us. You show yourself to us in ways that um, if we are looking, then you are you will make yourself evident. I thank you for the times that we have been challenged to to live for you, to to see you more. But Lord, I pray that this year that we would develop a habit in our life where we are recharged through seeing you daily, to seeing you at work around our lives, to to be filling our lives with a complete picture of who you are and what what you want us to do. I thank you that you want to change us. And I thank you that the changes you want to do in our lives are all good changes. And so I pray that we would get our our vision correct so that you may be able to do the work in our lives that you desire to do and that we would be able to serve you where you want us to serve. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Amen.